Hello. Uh, the scripture reading today is everybody's favorite passage, uh, Matthew 5, 38 through 48. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The word of the Lord. All right, so we're going to start with an all-play question. If you're new at Genesis, all-play questions are designed as actual questions, non-rhetorical to hear the voice of the chorus, because we believe the voice of the chorus is so much better than the voice of the solo. So here's the question. If you want to defeat an enemy, what are your options? If you want to defeat an enemy, what are your options? Say it again. A good old sword fight. A good old sword fight. <laughs> yes. I challenge you to a duel. Take everything away from them. Thank you. Destroy them. them. Thank you, Sean. Turn them into a friend. We're getting warmed up, people. (laughs) Kill them with kindness. Thank you. Any other options? Get Get to know them. Turn other people against them. Now we're getting more honest. Avoid them. Now we're getting really honest. I think we can get really creative about learning ways to destroy our enemies. Really creative. We can put lots and lots of energy toward that. So when Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, he's the first leader that I'm aware of in human history to utter those words. Of all the options you have to destroy an enemy, Jesus says, choose love. Choose to love them. It's peculiar. The great Dr. Martin Luther King said this in a message about 50 years ago. He said, hate at any point is a cancer that gnaws away at the very vital center of your life and your existence. It's like eroding acid that eats away the best and the objective center of your life. So Jesus says love because hate destroys the hater as well as the hated. Hate destroys the hater as well as the hated. So if you choose hate as a way of destroying your enemy, Martin Luther King and Jesus would say, beware, because you'll destroy yourself as well. 
So, mass confession. We are horrible at loving our enemies. So can we just start there? Mass confession. If you feel like you want to say, I am not very good at loving my enemy, you can just say that out loud. You can say it to the person next to you. You can say it to me later on. Uh, I would be the first person to say, I am not very good at loving my enemy uh, because they don't deserve it, because it's hard, because I don't want to most of the time, because there's lots of really great reasons to keep hating them and not love them, and because, frankly, most of the time, I just don't have it in me to love my enemy. And yet this teaching of Jesus, some of his teachings are oriental hyperbole, you know, like last week, gouge your eye out if you're having problems with lust. You know he doesn't actually mean to actually gouge your actual eye out. But this one is not hyperbole. This one actually, and some people call Jesus this romantic idealist by saying love your enemies. That would never actually work. But in this message that Dr. King gave 50 years ago, he said actually Jesus is being the most practically real of any human being in history when he says the only way to destroy an enemy is to love them, to make them become your friend. The only way to change society 50 years ago, according to Dr. King, was that love would win over hate. 50 years ago, um, my, how things have changed, huh? (laughs) No, he could give that sermon again today, and it would be just as poignant. So when Jesus said it in the first century, remember the context, the children of Israel are living under Roman rule. Their enemies are right in front of them. And so when Jesus says, if someone uh, commands you to, to, to walk a mile with you, go ahead and walk the second. Like anyone, that, that sounds sort of like a peculiar <laughs> command, doesn't it? Well, a Roman soldier could come up to you, and if they were tired, they could say, can you carry my heavy pack? And you would have to, by law, carry that pack for a mile, by law. You could get arrested if you refused. So Jesus says, instead of refusing Walk that mile and then keep going. Go another mile. So here's an all-play question. What would that do to your enemy if you walked a second mile carrying that pack? Resentment might build up in the government. Bewilderment. It would make his day. He would be a lot less tired might humble them, make them curious. Curiosity has a way of building bridges in between enemies. I don't know what happened when followers of Jesus, if they took Jesus seriously in the first century, if this actually happened, I'm gonna guess it it might have. And a conversation may have sprung up between an Israeli and a Roman soldier. During the first century, Caesar was being proclaimed as Lord and Savior of the world, and he was announcing worldwide peace. The Pax Pax Romana uh, was this unprecedented absence of war that Rome announced. But really what they meant was that is not just the absence of war, but this rare situation when all their opponents had been beaten down so thoroughly that they had lost the ability to resist. So when Jesus says, when someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek, what is one way of interpreting that? 
Say it again. Let them, walk Let them walk all over you. That is one way. What's another way? Be patient. What's another way? Submission. Imagine getting struck in the face by a Roman soldier and instead of going down, going like this. What could happen? Yes. What are you saying to that Roman soldier? It's defiance. It's resistance. Jesus is saying there's a way to resist violence by offering nonviolence. And at the end of the day, that's the only way that breaks violence, Jesus is saying. Violence doesn't stop violence. There's a way to resist violence, but you have to be very strong. John 14, 27, Jesus says, in contrast to the peace that Rome gives, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give you the kind of peace that the world gives, the Pax Romana, where everyone just gets beaten down, and so there's peace. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Because if you walk into this kind of peace, this kind of resistance, what rises up in you? Fear. Fear. <laughs> if I turn my cheek, instead of raising my sword, what's going to happen to me? I might get killed. What happened to Dr. King? He got killed. He got killed because of what he said and how he lived. Because he was following Jesus to such a radical degree because he refused to counter hate with hate. He wore them down with love and that's why his words are still echoing in our time. Matthew, in Matthew's gospel. You know, we're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount here, you guys. The most popular sermon of all time. And we're hearing, love your enemies. <laughs> There's some irony in that, is there not? Matthew's proclaiming that Jesus is the Lord and Savior, that he's bringing worldwide peace, but it's not the way that Rome is bringing it. This sermon is his kingdom constitution. Jesus is announcing that God's reign has come right here, right now, not in some eternal heaven that's gonna come later. Jesus is announcing that God's reign is gonna be embodied by a group of followers, a group of diverse followers. Jesus has demonstrated a unique power to heal diseases, and he's proclaiming where humanity is going under the reign of God. So let's go through these teachings. Turn the other cheek is a way of dismantling your desire for revenge. He says, you've heard it, that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, don't resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Now, a quick note, Jesus is addressing revenge here, not abuse. So I wanna be very, very clear about this. If you're living in a situation at your home or in the workplace or wherever where there is abuse happening, the teaching of Jesus is not to just let it keep happening. I say to you, get some help. Tell somebody, tell us. 
We want to hear and we want to help. Jesus is talking about our natural tendency for revenge here, not abuse. So let's be very clear about that. Amen? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, uh, comes from Leviticus 24, 19 through 22. Leviticus, in case you weren't aware, is in the Bible. (laughs) And it says, whoever causes an injury to a neighbor must receive the same kind of injury back. Broken bone for broken bone. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Anyone who injures another person must be injured in the same way in return. Whoever kills another person's animal must give that person another animal to take its place. Whoever kills another person must be put to death. The law will be the same for the foreigner as for those in your own country. I am the Lord your God. Amen? (laughs) Now, here's an all-play question. Why would that be in the Bible? All right, Danny Cook, to stop escalation, to reveal sin. What else? All right, Joe Tim, 5,000 Torah points for you. In the day, uh, there was really no laws that would uh, keep revenge from escalating. So that if someone killed your cat, I mean, forbid, God forbid anyone kill anybody's cat, um, and, so, and someone felt revenge, entitled him to kill their son, there was actually no laws to keep that from being hindered. And so the king, in, the, in the kingdom of God in Leviticus, uh, Moses was saying, this kingdom, this, the children of Israel, are going to be much more civil than that. The merciful click forward in this time was to restrain revenge by saying, if someone gouges out your eye, the very worst you can do back to them is gouge out their eye. Now, let's come over here and say, it sounds ridiculous. It does sound ridiculous in 2017. That's why Jesus is saying, You've heard it say an eye for an eye, but now that we're in the first century, how ridiculous would it be for us to to say that that's the height of morality, an eye for an eye? I know that sounds like heresy, but if you just climb out of that rule-based thinking and say, an eye for an eye kind of does sound like a pretty uh, barbaric way to live. Is there a way forward? And Jesus is saying, actually, there is a way forward. We don't have to live in an eye-for-an-eye mentality. So that's why Jesus says when you turn the other cheek, it's actually not so that someone can just run you down. It's to topple the system of violence. Because humanity is moving forward, progressing. Dr. King saw this so clearly. And this is what he tried to say. And this is ultimately what got him in such trouble. So uh, anyone heard of a man named Jean Vanier? So I can tell by just, oh, yes. Jean Vanier, this big, tall, six-foot Canadian man. He's uh, six-foot-four, maybe. He used to be uh, a Navy admiral, 
And then he fell in love with people with disabilities and created these homes called La Arche. And they're centers for people with profound disabilities to live with one another and would live with caregivers where everybody learns to love each other on the basis of just love. Not like, you know, and, and, and Jean Vanier says, every part of your, your like if, if, if you go in there to be a do-gooder, you, your pride will get torn down to where all you can give is love and all you can receive is love. So Jean Vanier, he's in Trolley, France, uh, where he um, built his first large home. And he comes into contact with this man who's just so mad. He's so angry. He's out on the streets. He tells a story in one of his books. And the man is so angry that he's yelling, he's shouting. And he sort of takes a swing at Vanier and he clips him on the ear. And Vanier, who's a young man at this time, he said, the only thing I could think to do was to look this man in the eyes and say, you can hit me again if you want. He said, that's the only thing I could think of to say. I didn't know what to do. I was so freaked out by this guy's anger. Well, this guy didn't hit him back. He took his hand and invited him to come in for a meal to his house. Now, he could have punched him back again. I mean, that could have happened. But instead of yelling him down, Vanier could have done. His options were to yell him down. His options were to get him arrested maybe, or even if he had a gun on him, which I doubt that he did, to pull out the gun and shoot him. But he had another option, and that was to offer relationship to this man that was so angry. And that takes tremendous courage, doesn't it? Now, this is not victimhood, this is strength. Jesus says this in John 10, 17 and 18. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I laid down my life in order to take it up again. And then he says this, no one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. I've received this command from my Father. So Jesus is telling us how to do this. It's not become a victim, become a doormat, and just let everybody walk all over you. It's tremendously powerful. I lay down my life of my own accord, and I bring it up again. So, Let's ask this question, I'll play. If you wanted to love your enemies, how would you start? Pray for them. That's good. That's right out of the text, too. Pray for those who persecute you. Give them a gift. Thank you, Claire. Say it again. Become vulnerable. Yes. Get to know them. Acknowledge who they are. Tell them. Dr. King suggests, number one, start with yourself. He says, you know, there, there are certain people that just don't like you for maybe weird reasons, and there's not much you can do. But he says, sometimes people hate you because there is something you have done that has elicited the hatred. And that's a hard thing to, to let in. But start with yourself. Is there anything? Search my heart, O oh God, and see, David writes in the Psalms, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Search my heart. And then Dr. King says, and this is really hard, he says, find the good in your enemy. He writes this in the sermon. 
Within the best of us, there is some evil, and within the worst of us, there is some good. When we come to see this, we take a different attitude toward individuals. The person who hates you most has some good in him. Even the nation that hates you most has some good in it. Even the race that hates you most has some good in it. And when you come to the point that you can look in the face of every man and woman and see deep down within him or her what religion calls the image of God, you begin to love him in spite of what you feel. No matter what he does, you see God's image there. There's an element of goodness that he can never slough off. Discover the element of good in your enemy. As you seek to hate him, find the center of goodness and place your attention there. And you will take a new attitude. So like every time you read a tweet of someone that is maybe your enemy, I'm dead serious. What would it look like to say there is good in that person and I will pray for them? Doesn't mean you have to agree. And it also doesn't mean that you don't stand up for what's right. You could do that in love. You should do that in love. But Jesus says the only way to drive out hate is to love. That's the only way. It's the only possible way. Dr. King ends with, he says this, if you want to love your enemies, when the opportunity comes to defeat your enemy, that is precisely when you must not do it. When the opportunity comes where the ball is in your court and the opportunity is right there, So think of, if you're married right now, that moment that you could say that thing. It's on the tip of your tongue. And man, it would feel good. That is precisely the time that you do not say it. That is precisely the time where you exercise self-control and where you love instead of hate. Let's get creative. What's another way? What's another Besides marriage, what's another environment where you can love an enemy by deciding to not uh, defeat the enemy when you could? Coworkers, never. Siblings. Parent, parents and parenting are at the same time. So awesome. Church. Is that Katie? Yeah, church. Greg? Facebook? That's like graduate level love. It's a love on Facebook. Jeez. You got to really, really have it going on. It's a love on Facebook. See, in traffic, I totally agree. See, now we're getting real personal. I mean, we're at Facebook and traffic, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. God's word is so relevant. <laughs> but you see, like, Jesus is really saying, if you want to get free, and if you want to free others, like, this is where it starts. It starts so small, you know? I mean, love your enemies starts probably in yourself. You begin to see that you see yourself as your enemy. 
And then it moves to the people you live with in this little intentional community you call your family, um, which half the time you're at odds with. And then it moves out maybe to your, maybe to your extended family around Thanksgiving and Christmas time where there's lots of opportunities to love your enemy. And you haven't even made it outside your own family. We're not even talking about Israel, Palestine, or, you know, the government, or... So this is where this goes. And Jesus is saying, love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. When you have an opportunity for revenge and don't do it, that's, that's when you're my disciples. So one last quote from Dr. King uh, now, there is a final reason I think that Jesus says love your enemies. It's this, that love has within it a redemptive power. And there is a power there that eventually transforms individuals. That's why Jesus says love your enemies, because if you hate your enemies, you have no way to redeem and to transform your enemies. But if you love your enemies, Dr. King says, you will discover that the very root of love is the power of redemption. You just keep loving people, and keep loving them even though they're mistreating you. Here's the person who is a neighbor, and this person is doing something wrong to you, and all that, just keep being friendly to that person. Keep loving them. Don't do anything to embarrass them. Just keep loving them, and they can't stand it too long. Oh, they react in many ways in the beginning. They react with bitterness because they're mad, because you love them like that. Then they react with guilt feelings, and sometimes they'll hate you a little more at that transition period, but just keep on loving them. And remember, like this would be ridiculous unless it was Dr. King who was saying it, right? Just keep on loving them. And by the power of your love, they will break down under the load. Amen? That's love, you see. It's redemptive. This is why Jesus says to love. There's something about love that builds up and is creative. There's something about hate that tears down and is destructive. So love your enemies, Dr. King writes. And that was inspired by the great master, Jesus of Nazareth, who was the first leader in all of human history to give something away that radical. So we, his followers, we are invited into that kind of life, and it's no easy life, but it is the life that leads toward redemption and freedom for the world. Amen? Now we're gonna take 60 seconds of silence and we do that every week just to recenter and to allow God to invite us, should God choose to, into a specific action perhaps, or maybe God just wants to tell you something. After which time, I, I will read through the prayers of response, and then Andrew will come up and lead us through the Eucharist. But first, one minute of silence. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us now. <laughs> 